0: Hello, I'm
1: William Henry.
0: And I'm Sylvia Penny, and I shall be reading some of the scripture references.
2: I'm Michael Penny. Now, at the end of podcast number three in this series on Luke, we finish with a couple of unanswered questions.
1: Yeah, that's right. Luke 4 says that the reason the Lord came was to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. So we asked, well, what's this good news? And we suggest that it couldn't be the gospel we preach today, that Jesus died for our sins and that we need to believe in him to be saved. Just quite simply because up to this point of time, the Lord had said nothing about his death.
2: Well, had he not?
1: No, no, I don't think so. But maybe can we chat about that later on in the podcast?
2: Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, But we also pointed out that the word gospel does mean good news. And obviously, the good news of the kingdom does include believing in him, believing in Jesus. But what were they to believe? And we also suggested that if we want you to understand the gospel of the kingdom, we need to have a clear understanding of what the Lord meant by the kingdom.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that when John the Baptist or Jesus speak of the kingdom of God, They do it without any explanation of what they
2: mean. So that means that the people they were speaking to must have known what kingdom they were talking about.
1: Yeah, exactly. So presumably it therefore has to refer back to the teaching of the Old Testament because that's their background.
2: Yeah, yeah. But mind you, it seems clear that the Lord made it clear what he meant by the kingdom in the prayer he gave his disciples. This is what he told them.
0: This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
1: So this kingdom is the kingdom that's to come on the earth. A time when God's will will be done on earth. This is the kingdom that was prophesied by the Old Testament prophets. For example, Isaiah chapter 9,
0: verses 6 and 7 say this For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever.
2: No, yeah, I I recognise those words. They are read in our churches every Christmas.
1: Yeah, that's because they're about Jesus and his kingdom reigning on David's throne, as we talked about in an earlier podcast. Listen to what Daniel says.
0: In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence he was given authority glory and sovereign power all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed and that's in daniel 7 verses 13 to 14.
2: ah So there's that son of man again, a title we discussed in the previous podcast. And note this, note this, his kingdom, though it will be centered in Jerusalem and be based in Israel, it will have a worldwide scope.
0: Yes, it will. And
1: here's what Micah had to say.
0: The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Everyone will sit under their own fine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid. For the Lord Almighty has spoken. It's in Micah 4, verses 3 to
2: 4. Oh, yeah, that, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Eh? Who wouldn't want to live in a kingdom like that? worldwide peace
1: yeah that would be fantastic mike wouldn't it Mm. but that's what the lord's prayer meant i think by your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so the good news of the kingdom is to do with the good news of the kingdom that's to come upon the earth which we read about in the old testament but well that's the kingdom but what about the good news can we about be a bit more precise about what that good news was
2: Yeah, I think we can. Uh, Let's go back to the opening words of the ministries of both John the Baptist and the Lord. Now, in Luke 3.3, tells us about John's ministry.
0: He, that is John, went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins.
2: And then Luke goes on to say that he did this in fulfillment of Isaiah forty, one of his we've just looked at earlier he urged them to prepare the way of the lord john went on to say this
0: i baptize you with water but one who is more powerful than i will come the straps of whose sandals i am not worthy to untie he will baptize you with the holy spirit and fire That's in luke 3 verse 16
1: yeah and he was speaking of jesus who's coming to set up his kingdom
2: yeah And Jesus states this explicitly in Luke 4. After he had been doing a lot of healing in Capernaum, he went off to a solitary place to pray. But everyone came looking for him. And this is what he said to his disciples.
0: I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea.
1: So if he preached only in the synagogues, then he was obviously focusing on the Jewish people.
2: Oh, yes, absolutely. The kingdom was to be set up in Jerusalem, as we saw in those Old Testament prophets. Sylvia read earlier. But as the Old Testament prophecies we read earlier indicate, the blessings were to be worldwide. Just listen to another part of Isaiah.
0: In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up the mountain of the Lord to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. In Isaiah 2, verses 2 to 4. Yeah, it's going to be a, a
1: tremendous time of peace and prosperity, isn't it? So, were John and Jesus saying that the kingdom was now being established?
2: Well, no, not quite. Matthew uses a slightly different phrase, which I think makes it clearer.
0: In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That's in Matthew 3, verses 1 to 2. And then in Mark 4, 17, we read, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near.
1: So then, the good news of the kingdom was that the time for this kingdom on the earth had come near. The kingdom would be brought in by Jesus, their Messiah and their King. And what they had to do was to repent, as John had said. And believe in him.
2: Yeah. And several times we read about Christ preaching and teaching the good news of the kingdom. Uh, For example, Luke chapter 4 verse 43, chapter 8 verse 1 and chapter 16 verse 16. But sometimes it just says he was preaching the good news. For example, in Luke 4.18, 7.22, 9.6 and chapter 20 verse 1. In fact, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom is a great description of the Lord's three-and-a-half-year ministry to Israel while he was on earth.
1: Okay, so that's his preaching and his teaching. But what about the healing miracles he performed? Did they have any part to play in this good news of the kingdom, or were they just good news in themselves?
2: Oh, yeah. Although it must have been good news to the people who were healed in their families— We must remember that such healings were prophesied. If we take another look at Isaiah, this time chapter 35 and verses 3 to 7.
0: Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution he will come to save you. And then will the eyes of the blind be opened. And the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shank for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground, bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. Right. So here we have it prophesied
1: that when God comes to save them, people will be healed and we can also see that there's a link there to a restored earth which is also i think a feature of this kingdom on the earth and these miracles were performed by jesus as part of his credentials as the christ or the messiah
2: yeah yeah and in luke 7 when john the Baptist was in prison he sent two of his disciples to jesus to ask him if he was the one I. was he the messiah The Lord replied with words included, will he include parts of that quotation that we just read from Isaiah 35. This is what the Lord said to John's disciples.
0: Go back and report to John what you have just seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor.
1: That's in Luke 7, verses 21 to 22. So here in that passage, we've got the good news again. And you can also see that these miracles were more than just miracles. They were signs which signified who Jesus was. Isaiah put it, didn't he? When your God comes to save you. So these miracles signified that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah.
2: Yeah, that's right. And at the end of the previous podcast, I asked, Obviously, the good news of the kingdom included believing in him and asked, what were those people to believe? And I think what you just said is the answer or putting it another way, as John wrote at the end of his gospel.
0: Jesus performed many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And that's in John 20, verses
1: 30 to 31. So the Lord's teaching and miracles are both pointing in the same direction, namely that he was the Christ, the Son of God, and he was the one who was going to bring in this kingdom upon the earth. But it seems that although the people were happy enough to benefit from the miracles, well, who wouldn't be? They were a bit more reluctant to
2: accept him as their Messiah. Yeah, that's sadly true. You remember that Roman centurion, who must have been a God-fearing Gentile, he built a synagogue in Capernaum. Sadly, his servant was dying. And when Jesus came to the town, he sent his friends to Jesus to ask him to heal his servant. But amazingly, the centurion appreciated Jesus could do it from a distance. Jesus was somewhat astonished by this and in Luke chapter 7 verses 9 we read the following.
0: When Jesus heard this he was amazed at him and turning to the crowd following him he said I tell you I have not found such great faith even in Israel.
1: Yes and then he went to Nain and raised a widow's son from the dead and that was an incredible miracle. But there in that passage, the the people just describe him as a great prophet who has appeared among us. And then, interestingly, I think in Luke chapter nine, he turns to his disciples and says, who do the crowds say that I am? And this was some of the answers they
0: gave. Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life.
2: Really? John the Baptist? But hadn't he recently been beheaded by Herod at that time?
1: Yeah, that's a bit of a weird suggestion, isn't it? But Elijah is actually an answer that's understandable. It's not a correct answer, but it is a sensible one because the last verses of the Old Testament in the prophecy of Malachi state that Elijah is to come first. But if you look at the Lord's next question, he makes it much more pointed. But what
0: about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. So Peter got it, and I suppose the rest of the twelve did as
1: well.
2: Really? Even Judas Iscariot?
1: I don't know, Mike. I don't know about that one.
2: (laughs) Anyway, before that discussion, we read that the Lord had travelled throughout the towns and villages, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And we are told that the twelve were with him.
1: That may also, of course, have been a bit of a training exercise. A a training
2: exercise?
1: What do you mean? Well, I mean, a little later, the Lord called the twelve together and gave them power to heal and cast out demons. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. That's in Luke 9, verse 2. And, you know, that's exactly what he'd been doing. So they were carrying on his ministry around all the towns and villages. Then we read this in Matthew chapter 9,
0: verse 6. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere.
1: So there we've got the good news of the kingdom again, accompanied by healing. Then a little later, we see something very similar when the Lord sent out 72 of his followers to do the same thing. They were also sent out to the towns and told to heal the sick who are there and to tell the people the kingdom of God has come near to you.
2: Oh, so here we have the same message. The kingdom of God has come near. That was what the Lord uh, John the Baptist opening message was and also the words the Lord used when he began his mystery and which we are seeing he continues to use throughout the gospel period. The kingdom has come near.
1: Yes, but as well as healings, we also read of some different types of miracles that Jesus did. Quite spectacular ones, actually, where he showed his authority over creation. I suppose when you think about it, it's not really that surprising, is it? Because if you remember what John says in the opening verses of his gospel.
0: In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made.
2: So we have Christ calm in the storm and feeding 5,000 from five loaves and two fish. Miracles like that, together with his healing miracles, where people were completely healed immediately, added greater support to his preaching of the good news of the kingdom and gave greater evidence as to who he was, the Messiah.
1: Yes, and I think it also confirmed his deity. If he was the creator of all things, you would expect him to be able to control nature.
2: Oh, yeah, that's true. And you remember in our last podcast, we saw that the Lord had authority in his teaching. He had authority over demons. He had the authority to forgive sins. He had authority over all nations and authority over the Sabbath. And now he is showing he has authority over creation.
1: Yeah, but it's just one other thing. The Lord really started at this point to introduce two new lines of teaching. The first of these is that as the opposition against him began to grow, especially from the Jewish leadership, he started to speak in parables. And the disciples asked
0: him, why are you speaking in parables? And this is what he said. He said, The knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. And that's in Luke 8, verse 10.
2: Oh, that's a rather enigmatic answer, isn't it? But um, if you want to know more about parables and why those opposing Christ did not see and understand them. I have written about this in my book, The Purpose of Parables, published by the Open Bible Trust.
1: Yeah, parables are interesting, aren't they? The Mm -hmm. word parable occurs 26 times in Luke, which is really a lot. And many of the parables in Luke are completely unique to that gospel. I think we actually did a seminar on that, didn't we? And parables unique to Luke, and we can... See that, if you like, on the Open Bible Trust's YouTube channel.
2: Okay, yeah, very good, very good. Now, many of Luke's unique parables are well-known ones, including the parable of the prodigal son and the parable of the Good Samaritan, amongst others. But, um, Will, you just said there were two new lines of teaching. Uh, What was the other one? Well...
1: Uh, just after Peter's confession that Jesus was God's Messiah, which we mentioned a few moments ago, Jesus turned to the 12 and told them this in Luke chapter 9, verse 22
0: The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life.
2: Yeah. And you said earlier that he hadn't mentioned his death before.
1: Yes, that's correct, I think.
2: Well, how do you know that, Will?
1: Well, we don't read of it anywhere before this, but I think that's not conclusive. But more importantly, I think that although Luke doesn't report the disciples' reaction to hearing of this, Matthew does in the same incident. Matthew 16, says this.
0: Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you.
1: So it looks as if Peter had never heard this idea before, and he was horrified that Jesus should say such a thing.
2: Uh, And this was after the Twelve had all been on that preaching tour.
1: Yeah, exactly. So their message in that tour could not have included anything about Jesus' death. It was simply, Repent and believe because your Messiah is here and the kingdom of God has come
2: near. And as our Lord was speaking and telling the twelve what was to happen to him, I've often wondered if Peter was so overwhelmed by hearing Christ saying that he was going to be killed that he never heard or took in what our Lord said about being raised to life on the third day.
1: Yeah, he may be right in that, or maybe, maybe Peter just didn't understand
2: these words. Um, Why do you say that? They seem pretty clear to me. Well,
1: a little later, we've got another spectacular event in the gospel, and that's one that was witnessed by only three people. And that was Peter, James, James and John. And that was the vision of the transfiguration, Christ in glory with Moses and Elijah, who were also shining in great splendor and glory. And although we may view this as wonderful, and we'd really like to have been there, it would have been great to see that. It actually frightened the three disciples. We're told that they were afraid.
2: But what what is this to do with his death?
1: Well, nothing actually, directly, <laughs> but hang on a bit. It was what Christ said to them after the transfiguration as they were coming down the mountain. Mark 9, verses 9 to 10, tell us this.
0: As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant.
2: So they did not understand what being raised from the dead meant? That uh, seems rather strange to me as they had witnessed the Lord raise the widow of Nairn's son in Luke 7 and Jairus' daughter in Luke 8.
1: Yeah, that's true, but they were both raised back to normal life. And I suppose Lazarus too, a bit later on, Jesus did that. But the Lord Jesus went through death and came out the other side as a glorious resurrected being. Nobody had ever done that before, or nobody ever done it since either, for that matter. But his resurrection was out from among the dead.
2: Okay, then. So the others were raised... But with respect to himself, Christ was talking about a resurrection out from amongst the dead rather than a general resurrection of the dead. That was new and different, I suppose. They all knew about the resurrection of the last day. I mean, for instance, you remember when Jesus told Martha her brother Lazarus would rise again? This is what she said.
0: I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day.
1: Yeah, that was the Orthodox Jewish belief, wasn't it? But this is something else. This is something way beyond that. Okay, then. Let's try and sum up a bit. We've covered quite a lot of ground in this podcast, looking at how the kingdom of God in these gospels was the kingdom upon the earth. That's where God's will is to be done, which they were told to pray for in the Lord's prayer. The good news of the kingdom was that this wonderful kingdom on earth, which had been forecast by the prophets, It had drawn near, and it was potentially on the point of being established. The one who could set it all up was here among them. All they needed to do was to see him as he really was, Israel's Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God.
2: Yep. We have also seen a wide range of miraculous signs including instant, complete healings and the casting out of demons, as well as Christ exercising his authority over creation, calming the storm and feeding thousands.
1: Yeah, and we've also seen him introduce these two new lines of teaching, parables, and also references to his death for the first time.
2: Yeah. Now, in this podcast, while we are focused on some topics in Luke chapters 5 to 10, We are well aware that we have missed out the important teaching of passages such as chapter six, the Sermon on the Plain, equivalent to Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. So we will address that in our next podcast and we will go into that passage in detail. Thank you for listening.